today's episode is one that I know you are really going to love. And it's definitely also one that I wanted to do for myself as well, because getting your kids to eat good, nutritious food can feel really, really hard sometimes. They go through fussy phases, maybe for years at a time. And while you're trying to get healthy food into them, they're resisting it with every fiber of their being at times. And I don't know about you, but I also want food to not become a battleground either. So it does sometimes feel like you're often treading that fine line between giving them the things they want so it doesn't feel like any food is off limits or they don't feel like that weird kid at school who's never allowed crisps while also making sure they're getting the good nutrition they need. Plus, all the while trying to make meal planning as easy as possible, where you're getting what you want out of it while also making sure the kids actually eat what's on their plate. But help is at hand because today's guest, Sophie Rickard, is a nutritionist who has made it her mission to help make sure that kids get the nutrition they need while making it easier for us parents too. I'm so looking forward to getting into this one. Welcome to the Busy Woman's Guide to Fitness and Wellness podcast bringing you a weekly dose of fitness and wellness inspiration as we explore together how to get motivated and create a realistic and achievable way to stay active within a busy life while stepping away from guilt and the diet roller coaster for good. Together, we'll unpack some of the myths and unhelpful messages from the traditional fitness and diet industry so that you can find a better, kinder, more helpful way to fit exercise and wellness strategies into your life, improve your confidence and feel amazing. I'm your host, women's fitness and wellbeing coach, Alex Hubble, founder of ChickFit, mum of two, and a firm believer that exercise and eating well can go hand in hand with chocolate, wine, and lots of rest to create a happy life. You can find out more about me at chickfit.co.uk or head to my social media channels at alexchickfit. A big welcome back to the podcast for all of my previous listeners and a really warm welcome to anybody who's listening in for the first time. It's really, really wonderful to have you. Now, I'm really looking forward to getting into this episode today because like a lot of parents out there, the struggle around food and kids is real. It feels like you're either giving into your kids' demands just so that you've got an easier life and less conflict but also knowing that you're not totally happy about what they're eating, or you're giving them a really healthy, varied diet, but putting up with the sulking, the miserable faces at mealtimes, and sometimes just a straight refusal to eat the things that you know they should be. I will say this gets a bit easier with age. Beth is 13 now, and although there are the odd things that she's not a fan of, she's actually pretty good. Whereas at nine, Josh is still fussy about quite a few things. And lunchboxes especially is where I really struggle with him. He wants to feel like his friend, so getting that balance right can feel a bit impossible. And I am very selfishly going to ask Sophie a question about this in a minute. But I'm joined today by Sophie Ricard, who is going to help us to navigate this in a way that doesn't feel like it has to take hours and lots of planning and hassle and stress. So welcome, Sophie. Brilliant to have you. Lovely to be here. Thank you so much for having me. So to get started, can you tell us a little bit about you, your background and the work that you do with uh, kids and families? Yes. So I actually started my life as a teacher. I mean, not first life, but I got to this through teaching. And um, I used to work with children of all ages. So from the age of three up to 21, actually. Interestingly, I found quite a lot of overlap between those little ones, (laughs) the teenagers, and worked in the classroom with kids who were really struggling quite a lot at school. Went from there to even more settings where children had quite a lot of trauma in their lives, really a lot happening. And I started to notice more and more the disconnect between how we treat the body and how we treat the mind. And what was really fascinating to me is those moments of starting to think about 
our thoughts and our ideas and our connection to people. And we do see that as sort of this magic that just happens in the brain. And it is very much not physical. And so I sort of had this moment of, I really want to feel the connection between them. You know, I was working with a lot of kids who were eating, I don't like to call junk because I have a whole theory about that, but, you know, eating food that was not really helping their body or their brain. And yet we were expecting their behavior in the classrooms to really be, we expect them to be able to manage it. So I took a big shift and jumped into nutrition. And so now I work with kids of all school ages, really, mainly when they're in school, some nursery. And the work I do is really about connecting the health of the body with the strength of the mind. So it's about supporting parents in a very manageable way, in a very step-by-step, this is something that works with the whole family kind of a way, to really know how to strengthen your child's body so that they have more ease managing in the classroom, sitting through lessons, accomplishing homework, feeling that learning is more accessible to them. I suppose as well, it's also about, you know, like you say, that that connection with the mind as well. It's also about finding ways of like taking the stress out of food as well, because, you know, we, we all know that, you know, if you're stressed about food as a child and if you're forced to eat certain things and, you know, you feel like you don't have control over it, that's not good news for later on in life either, really, is it? Absolutely. And, you know, it's a huge part of nutrition. We hear, you know, we know the supposed tos, you know, we're supposed to be eating all these superfoods, we're supposed to be eating leafy green vegetables every day, you know, and then we have these busy lives with, with balancing kids, balancing work, balancing everything. And it's really tough. And so what I find unhelpful is for me as a nutritionist or anybody else to say, okay, these are the foods you're supposed to be getting in your kids, because the reality is Mm. it puts more pressure on our shoulders. And I feel all of us as parents have enough as it is. Mm. So a lot of my, my work is really split between these are the foods which are really going to help. This is why this is what your unique child might need. And here are the strategies which will really help you get it in really the goals of them having more variety in their diet, Mm. but also learning balance so that when they become teenagers, when they become adults, they can manage food themselves in a way that's really going to benefit their bodies and their brain. And what do you think are some of the biggest issues that you are dealing with with families? You know, what are the biggest roadblocks to actually that that parents find to getting that healthy food into their kids? A couple of things, really. I think one is not so much about getting the food in, but the getting started moment is, you know, we have the benefit of Google, which is amazing, but it also means that it can be incredibly overwhelming. And most parents, when they first approach me, say, you know, I just don't know which one to choose. I just don't know which way to go. There's so much information out there. I don't know what's right. I don't know what's reputable don't know what to do. And for me as well, when I'm met with that moment of overwhelm, you tend to just freeze and you don't really do anything. So what then comes with that is the guilt of, I could be doing more. I could be feeding my child this. I could be doing that. And it gives you even more overwhelm. So it's sort of this cycle of how do you manage? So that is a huge part of it, which is why I really like to break down simple steps um, because you can just work on one step for now. And I like to tell parents, you know, don't worry too much about the end goals you're looking to achieve because that is down the road. Mm. Work on just the one step you're going to choose for now, because in a week, in two weeks, in a month, wherever, it, however long it takes, you are going to be able to turn around and look back and say, oh, that's where I was before. And this is where I am now. And once you've taken some of those steps, the next steps, the steps after just get easier and easier. And in terms of getting food into kids, what's the trickiest? I suppose it's the general question of parents saying to me, you know, how, how do we do this? My child won't eat this. Quite a lot of the parents I work with have kids with sensory issues, which makes it even more challenging because then their kids are 
having overwhelmed themselves when it comes to mealtimes. You know, it's, it's a very sensory experience. So again, I really break it down into some steps that they can follow. I very much focus on both of those points around what is going to be right for their unique child, but what's also going to be right for the whole family. Because I don't know about you, but I've tried with my son to have, you know, these are the foods he really needs. But if it's not going to work for everyone, you know, a week later and it's scrapped and it's out the window and then I have extra guilt, which I just don't need. Yeah. And I, and you know what? Sometimes I just remind myself, you know, you know, you read those newspaper articles or, you know, whatever newspaper. Does anybody read newspaper articles anymore? <laughs> you know what I mean? You read those stories online about, you know, this kid who has literally lived for five, the last five years on chips and white yeah. bread. <laughs> That's all they've eaten. Like, they're still alive. They're still functioning. Okay. They might not be functioning optimally, but actually they're okay. Like they've, they've not suffered in the way that you might think they do. So you kind of think, actually, if you've got, you know, if you get the odd vegetable into your child or, you know, the odd other good stuff into your child, then actually you're you're kind of winning already, aren't you? Yeah. And it's hard, you know, I think as parents, all of us want to be our very best and be doing our very best all the time. And with all the information we get, it's who are we comparing ourselves to? Because we all do the best we can with the information we have at the time. So I think that it's really about just knowing what you can do right now and that, yeah, it's all going to be okay. (laughs) It will be, it will. Okay. So I wanted to move on a little bit and just ask you about sugar, especially because I think this is always one of the biggest, biggest challenges, isn't it? Yeah parents because you know we all know that our kids would mainline sugar morning noon and night if they possibly could have chocolate at every meal right Um, and you know you it sometimes feels like you're forever saying no 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 so what's the best way to start dealing with this if you if your child is always asking for sugar it's a tough one and I think that what happens with many families is when their kids start school that's when the approach that they had at home, which felt quite controlled with the exception of birthday parties, which, you know, you can sort of, you can write off, oh, that was just that one day. It's, it shifts because they have the influence of peers. They have a different kind of eating. You know, I know my son, he didn't like fish fingers or chips until he went to school. It was fantastic. And then suddenly it's like, this is the best food in the whole world. Yeah. So it shifts. And then it shifts again when they become teenagers, because that focus on family being sort of their universe starts to move to their peers. And so what their peers are eating, seeing ads around food, again, it shifts once more. So I think that when it comes to sugar, I have a bit of a different view of this, actually. And what I like to guide parents to do is to never say never. It can be really difficult when we see a food in front of our child or being stuffed into our child with their cheeks massive full of it to think of that food as bad. But what's difficult is I do quite a lot of work on mindset. And what we tend to do in our care for our children, our love for our children, is we categorize food as good or bad, healthy or junk food. There was this whole clean versus dirty food, which thankfully is slowly being shifted out. And so we think about, you know, this is bad food they're eating. And later on, when I give them broccoli with their meal, that's good food they're eating. And it's a tricky one because what ends up happening with our kids is that they then get the message that this food is bad. Mm. And we start to break some of the communication and the trust that we have and that we value so much with our children. 
And our kids are more likely to then hide those foods. You know, I don't know about you, but most kids have had the moment where, you know, they hide the Haribo packet in their pocket on the way home. They know they it's wrong. Yeah. And instead of building a mindset of balance and building a mindset of varied food, it builds a mindset in our kids of good versus bad. Yeah. And it's really hard not to do this. And, you know, I've done it myself. We all have been there. But instead, what I like parents to think about is there is no bad. There is food which we need to nourish our bodies and our brains, and it's going to do that much more effectively. I mean, to be honest, sugar is our body's favorite source of fuel. Mm. So when our kids are run down, if they're older and they have exams, if they're doing a lot of sports, if they have a lot of stress in their lives, and that can be the news, that can be something going on in the family, their bodies are going to be asking for sugar because that is how they balance, that is how they get their energy. And from our body's perspective, they're being very clever. They're saying this food, this Haribo, this donut, this this brownie is going to give me sugar in the quickest form possible. It's going to go straight into my blood. It doesn't have to be broken down. It doesn't have to be, you know, it's going straight in there. And we forget that, that our bodies are very clever in asking for what they want. So what I think it's important for parents to do is think about it as I never say never. You know, our kids are going to have food that they consider amazing. And how can we balance that with the food which they need to nourish? Now, a couple of ways to do this is I'm actually a big fan of not having pudding after a meal because it sets up kids to say, this is always coming afterwards. And, you know, my son went through a phase of, oh, I'm finished with this. I'm full with this, meaning, you know, I'm not full, but I'm ready for for this other food. (laughs) And instead, not all parents want to do this, but I do often say, you know, do serve sweet food along with the, the meal. It will cause your kids to all eat it first in the beginning. That will absolutely happen. And that can absolutely be really scary. But what it will do is set the tone that one food isn't valued greater than the other. And they will start to be able to find that balance within themselves. So it's not gobbling up all of this food and then having this afterwards. It does take some time. The other thing I think is important is to try and shift the food that their ki- your kids are eating away from packaged to homemade. Mm. Easier said than done because every single weekend I say I'm going to bake and I don't remember the last time I baked. So I do understand it's easier said than done. But what happens if you're making something? It gives the opportunity for your children to, again, start to build trust and balance around food. If you say to them this weekend, let's make something together. And they say, we want to make brownies. We want ice cream sundaes. And you say, fantastic, let's do that. The first time you've made this meal with them, it is the sugary foods that you are cringing about and you're saying this is the junk this is the food I don't want but you've done two things you've done number one you've started to build trust with them around listening to the foods they want which later down the road builds trust about listening to the foods that you want to add in and you've also set up a scenario where you can start to boost the foods that they're eating so I'm a big fan of boosting meals so it might be that I wouldn't say this first time, but the second time you make brownies with them, you might add some avocado into, actually, that's not great to cook with. You might add that into a chocolate mousse. You might add some black beans into brownies. There's lots of lovely recipes with that. You might sprinkle some sesame seeds onto a meal. So what you're doing is allowing them the food that they are excited about, but you are also introducing um, ingredients into that food that really does help to boost the health of their brain. Yeah, and I, it's really interesting you say that because I've I've never said 
you know, oh, I'm not going to give my kids sugar. I've always allowed my kids to have some sugar because I don't want there to be that mystery around it. I don't want it to feel like a something that they can't have and that's naughty and bad. Having a 13-year-old, I I sort of feel like she has absorbed some of those messages. I don't, you know, I, I hope not too much from me, but definitely from at the outside. But, you know, that's also a tricky stage because, you know, from my experience, she has more freedom now all of a sudden. So she'll walk home from school with her friends. They'll all go to the shop. They'll all buy some sweets on the way home. Yeah. And, you know, I've had that conversation with her where I, I've kind of said, look, it's not that you're not allowed to do that sometimes. Absolutely. But just try not to do it every single day. That's the balance. It's kind of saying to her, look, you know that having sugar and eating sweets on your way home from school every single day is not the best thing for you to do. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I would like you to think about that yourself. I find it a very tricky line. I don't want her to grow up thinking one thing's good, one thing's bad, one thing's not allowed, because I know what that leads to. So it's trying to, particularly at that teenage age, trying to let them feel like they've got a little bit of agency themselves, but also talking to them about it and saying, look, we, you know, you know that it's not, not ideal every single day, right? Exactly. And it's, and it's not something that can be solved in a day. You know, it's a longer term, like you're saying, it's those conversations over time. And there are times, whatever age of our kids, we just say, what is happening right now? How can it have gotten to this moment? Because we have, you know, they, they do shift at those times, like I was talking about. And I think what's very important is to think about where you want them to be mm. later on and to do those smaller steps along the way. And something I say to parents a lot is, you know, the sweets, the fried food, you know, whatever it is your kids are eating doesn't undo the nourishment that yeah. they're getting from you at home. Yes, it's not ideal. And, you know, all of us ideally would just be eating this perfect diet all the time, but we don't do it either. So I think it's important for us to remember that it's okay for our kids to have the other side of the balance. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So I want to move on. I, I mentioned this at the start. I was going to ask a question completely and utterly for myself. But <laughs> I, but, you know, I know that other parents will be thinking the same. So this is more specifically about the lunch boxes. So I do try my best to include some fruit and veg, but I know that there's maybe too much processed meat there. Sometimes my you know, my son loves a ham sandwich, for example. And the thing that I always struggle with is the little added extras. So I do let him have crisps a couple of times a week because otherwise he feels like the weird kid who, you know, who always has the healthy stuff yeah. and everything else. And, you know, they do come home sometimes saying, oh, my pe- my friends keep asking me why my lunchbox is so healthy. So they do have to kind of answer those questions. So, you know, what I'll try and do is I'll try and include like a snack bar or something. But often the ones you get in the supermarkets who which are better for you have nuts in them so obviously you can't put those in the ones that don't have nuts tend to be more processed and more sugary I've also tried making stuff at home but again the stuff they like is the stuff that has nuts in and if it doesn't have nuts in they tell me that they don't like it so it's really hard to find those little added extras and those things that make them feel like they're kind of like the other kids and they've got this like bar to open but it's actually healthy have you got any particular tips on that yeah it's a tricky one and it's frustrating that most of the energy bars are completely nuts and I can see why they do it because it's you know a lovely source of protein and energy and it's it's a quick fix but for parents it's a nightmare because you have to stand there reading all the ingredients and then you miss one at the end and it's very far from ideal when it comes to lunch boxes it's funny. I, my son goes to school, the lunchbox, he's near eight. And I'll explain what I recommend for lunchbox in a minute. But he came home last week and said, um, Oh, by the way, I thought you should know we all swap lunchboxes. So for the last two weeks, oh, I've had a bacon sandwich every day. 
<laughs> and I just sort of thought, oh, well, so who is getting this lovely lunch I've been making every day? But, you know, it was fine. And I kept my thoughts to myself on that one. <laughs> so what I recommend with lunch boxes is, and actually with all meals, is trying to shift away from the supposed tos as much as possible. You know, we as a culture get quite stuck in what breakfast foods are supposed to be and what lunch foods are supposed to be. And it's very limiting and it makes us in a situation where we should feel more empowered to have more choices. And actually we're limiting ourselves with that with that mindset. Mm. So what I recommend is investing in one of the lunch boxes to have those different sections in. Yeah. They have some lovely metal ones. They have them on Amazon. They're all over the place. And the reason they work so well is you don't necessarily need to think of preparing a meal anymore. So rather than the main is the sandwich and the sides are this, this and this, it's lots of different bits in there. And what I tend to do and what I advise parents to do is you can use leftovers. You can use what you tend to think of as more dinner foods and just put them in those sections. Obviously in winter, you know, some people like to use a thermos and that's fine alongside of it. It's a bit more for the kids to carry. But really how that tends to help is when we're doing a sandwich every day, whether it's sort of in a bagel, whether it's in a roll, in a wrap, whatever it is, we tend to use the same fillings over and over and over again. And our goals, my goal for everyone is variety and balance. And it limits us a lot. So when we think instead about, you know, these are just sections to fill, I can put popcorn in one, I can put, you know, a quesadilla cut up into smaller pieces into another one. I can put some leftover green beans from the night before into another one. It takes away this idea of how is this meal going to be put together like we do for a dinner. It also means that kids have more variety to sort of grab. It means that you can always have one of the maybe smaller sections, something you know is a bit more peer friendly, you know, whatever that might be for your child, the, the thing that their friends are eating, but it's a smaller amount or you can put a few bits of it in with something else, but you have more control over what they're eating with the majority of it. When it comes to energy bars, I mean, these are usually, I would say, for snack times. Yeah. Um, it's a very easy grab and go. Mm. There are very few, to be honest, out there, which I would recommend don't end up being quite a high sugar level. There is a difference between the sugar, which most of them use because it is a natural form of sugar. It's quite confusing sugar because at the end of the day, when it's broken down in the body, once it goes through the small intestine, sugar is sugar is sugar. Mm. When it gets in there, the body sees it all as the same. But what is different and why something with dates or like a coconut sugar, for example, is going to be a more optimal choice than something which has added sugar is it is bound still to the to the fiber. And so when it when you eat it, it's going to be ingested more slowly. It's broken down more slowly. Mm-hmm. So that release of sugar happens more slowly. So that spike of, you know, now my kids running in circles in the playground is less likely to happen. One that I do recommend, I have no affiliation whatsoever with, but Deliciously Ella do a lovely one. It's apple and cinnamon. It comes in an orange, a bar. And that one doesn't have any nuts, but it's one of the few, to be honest. Most of the other ones either have nuts and are really have some really great nutrients in there, or they're not so great. Mm. So I think that when it comes to that, unfortunately, there's no easy fix. I think quite a lot of parents I work with, I've shown them how to make energy balls, which are sort of very easy to make at home. The kids love it. You can sort of put, you know, coconut on the outside or different seeds on the outside or bits of chocolate. And it's quite easy to pop in a bag and bring to school. 
it does look different than those packaged foods that other kids might have. So when it comes to snacks, it is a tricky one. Unfortunately, I don't have a great answer for you. But I think that those lunch boxes, having those different sections mm. really helps because that's where the variety comes in. Mm. And so you don't have to worry quite as much at snack time about, yeah. about getting that variety in there. Yeah, great. Really helpful. So just to finish off, if anybody out there is is really, really struggling, has got a, a child who is eating a very limited selection or variety of food and it's becoming or it has become very stressful to kind of get good nutrition and you're worried you know that you're not giving your your child what they need what are maybe a couple of the top things that you would say to focus on so that you maybe don't have to sweat the other stuff quite so much yeah and you know being a parent to a child who isn't eating is one of the most stressful things you can go through I mean it's unbelievably stressful and it's terrifying and parents feel incredibly isolated during it it's really one of the main reasons that my work is sort of half feeding support and half you know nutrition for the brain because they really have to be hand in hand I think if your child is really has a limited diet what's very important is to know that unfortunately there there is the advice out there to deny them the food that they want because they will you know the, the, the sentence that all kids will eventually eat that is incorrect and it's very harmful and a lot of parents go through a real struggle to get to the point where they realize, you know what, I can't follow that advice anymore. It's doing us harm. So I think, you know, the first thing I would say is throw that out because that is absolutely incorrect. What is important is to really be aware, which you will be already as these parents, of your child's preferred foods. And I don't want to say favorite because they may not have a favorite food, but their preferred foods, which they're eating right now. And that it is absolutely okay for those foods to be eaten regularly, to be eaten all the time. You know, I work with some parents who the kids, what they their preferred foods is a very limited diet and it's none of those foods are foods that their parents ideally would like them to eat but it's what they're eating right now that's completely fine and then what I would suggest to do is to think about foods which are similar to those foods what's very common in kids is they like crunchy carby foods so it's the crackers it's the chips it's the you know sort of all quite beige and yellow all very crunchy not saucy at all. And what I would suggest is once you've really made a list of all of those foods and breaking it down, so it's not just crisps, it might be this brand, then this brand, then this brand. Or if there are vegetables in there, it's exactly this one and this one cooked in these two ways, because there's probably 15 ways you can cook a vegetable. So if you write down the four that they will accept. And then building from there with very, very small steps, Mm -hmm. always make sure that you are introducing food that they are tolerating and food that they're accepting at all meals, because you want to make sure your kids are feeling safe at that meal and you're not breaking that trust of just here is a plate of broccoli and spinach that I know you're not going to be able to tolerate. And instead thinking about those small steps, if one of the things they're really eating right now is chips, you might think about in slow steps moving to a homemade potato wedge, which is cut the same as the chips. You then move from there to a potato wedge, which might be a bit fatter. And, you know, this isn't day to day. This might be in some kids week to week. It really depends on your child. And from there, you might move to the next thing, the next thing. And what you're eventually eating is maybe a mashed potato. You're eventually then maybe adding something to the mashed potato. You've got peas on the side and then you mix it in. So it's really guiding them down a bit of a journey of introducing the next step of their food. Mm -hmm. And it does have to be very slow steps because the second you go too far, your child gets very worried. One thing I do in, I run a group program for parents to really guide them through 
how to get those nutrients of the brain in. And one thing I, I do is I hold up this picture of a food that no one ever knows what it is. It looks really disgusting and slimy. And I say to parents, you know, imagine that you went to a restaurant and this was put on a plate in front of you and everyone at the table is angry at you if you don't jump in and eat it right away and say you like it. We forget as parents how much control we lose at when we're eating food as a child. So I think that for parents to understand, for parents who have maybe a slightly picky eater, sort of in a more average way, to understand that as parents, we really control the food we put on the table. It's absolutely up to us. It's fantastic if our kids are taking part, if they're cooking with us, if they're shopping with us. But at the end of the day, we are making the choices about the food that goes on the table. Once that food's on the table, the food that goes into our child's mouth, whether or not that's swallowed or not, is under their control. It slows down the process. It can feel scary at first, but it builds trust so that children feel more safe in that environment. And if you imagine that restaurant where I've put down that slimy food in front of you, if you're given a moment to poke at it a bit, you might sniff it, you might say to a person next to you, you know, what is going on? You are more likely to try that food if you are giving it it and you can control it in your own time. So that's really just some getting started tips that I'd recommend. Brilliant. Yeah. It's just taking the stress out of it really, isn't it? For, for everybody. Exactly. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sophie. It's been brilliant to get your perspective. And I know that's going to help so, so many parents out there. But before you go, can you just tell everybody where they can find out a bit more about you and keep up to date with what you do? Yes. So I mainly hang out on Instagram. I'm at Feed Me Focused. And I share a lot of these tips on there. I really, for me, my sort of life goal is to have this type of nutrition accessible to all parents. So I share as much as I can on there. And um, I have a group program coming up, which is going to be really guiding parents through. I always worked on -on one-on-one and it's difficult, you know, it's expensive, it's not accessible. So I really want to switch to having it be available for everyone. Um, So please do send me a message. I'm always happy to chat with parents about what's going on for them. It is really, I always say there's no one recipe. It's unique to every child. So it's really about figuring out what is it, what exactly is going on with your child and what they need for the next steps and what you need as a parent to really start making that shift. Brilliant. Right. We'll put your links in the show notes as well. So uh, people can come and find you from there. But thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, there you have it. Some great tips for you to take away on getting more healthy nutrition into your kids without it being too stressful. I know that I'll definitely be taking some of that away to work on with my own family as well. Before you go, I've got a big, big favor to ask. Please give the podcast a rating and review and let me know what you think about it and any questions you've got. The more reviews and ratings, the more visibility we'll get on the podcast, which would be amazing. Plus, adding your questions is going to help me with topics for future episodes, which is hopefully going to help you out in lots of practical ways too. So thank you so much for joining me and do make sure you hit the follow button so you can find out about and listen to future episodes. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me today for the Busy Woman's Guide to Fitness and Wellness. Don't forget to come over and join me on my social media channels at Alex Chickfit for plenty more inspiration.